Take your Bibles, and we're going to start in John chapter 16. We're going to look at several different passages uh, of Scripture. And uh, the title for tonight's message is simply this, uh, When God Answers Prayer. Uh, I've been thinking about that since uh, Wednesday. We've been praying and uh, sent out texts to all about uh, 25 or 30 different preachers saying, Pray for us. The inspector's not showing up. Uh, And, uh, of course, he didn't come until, what was it, almost 1 o'clock, something like that. And uh, we found out we were the second one on the list. Brother Mike had called the building department. Wow, that first inspection must not have gone very well. Uh, He was only about 10 minutes at our place. And, uh, And so... They all prayed, and then we were able to send back and say it was a good inspection. And he told us, you won't know anything probably till Friday morning. And I checked the website last night, and it said that it was resolved. And they had re- removed the, the uh, vacate or rescinded partially the vacate order, giving us the first floor. And, uh, oh, yeah, of, uh, of much faith. I, I didn't believe that until I called our engineer that's working on the boiler. I said, would you mind reviewing this for me? I said, it'll only take you a few minutes. And he went through and he says, well, it still says there's a vacate order. And I said, yeah, but I want you to read all the notes. And he said, well, right here it says that the first floor's been repaired and no permits for this. And it, yeah, I said, We're, we got the first floor, right? And, and uh, so then... I took time to send text to all of those same uh, preachers uh, and, uh, and uh, of course, the Marshall family and a few others that we'd asked to pray and said, we're in the building officially. And uh kind of feels weird, doesn't it, Brother Mike? And he's sitting there going, all that work and all of that time and all of those prayers. Now, how many of you earnestly prayed with us, labored in prayer that we could get into this building? Okay, and a good many of those hands, you were with us the whole two years. And uh, uh, I asked, didn't ask Brother Mike, I asked Andrew because I knew he'd be gentler, uh, how much frustration I had added to his life because of the projects there. And, of course, he was very gracious. But uh, it was just a a great deal of effort and... uh, and and we had many different helpers all through the thing. And and uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, God likes to answer prayer. But He's not going to do it the way you want Him to. He's going to do it His way. Kind of in keeping with our theme verses, being still and know that He is God. There are times... Uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews put it this way, but ye have need of patience after that ye have done the will of God, that ye might receive those things that God has for us. And, and I will tell you, I, I think I am a more patient man, or at least I hope I am, uh, because there was much tribulation over these last two years. How about you, Brother Mike? And, and it says that that tribulation, and don't forget Miss Kelly and and uh, my wife and, and kids, and uh, they keep saying, Daddy, will you play with us? You're not going to Union today. And, and uh, well, uh, we're going to try to put as much of that behind us as we can. But 
listen. God answers prayer His way for several reasons. And we're going to look at several different passages. We're going to start reading in Matthew, I mean John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Now remember the context. John chapter 13 is the end of the Lord's Supper and he begins the journey to Gethsemane. And as they are leaving the upper room and going to Gethsemane, uh, we have... John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. John chapter 16, where we're looking, all the instruction uh, was there. John chapter 15, I'm sorry, abide in me. Uh, (coughs) John chapter 17, which was the Lord's, truly the Lord's prayer. Uh, All of this happened in those moments that it took to leave the upper room and go to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would pray for three hours, and then the, the sufferings that would lead to the cross would begin. And, of course, the happy part of that is it ended at an empty tomb, did it not? And after an empty tomb, there was an empty hillside where Jesus ascended back into heaven and promised that he would come again. And that's what we're waiting for. But as he is giving these last Moment instructions, verse 23 says, And in that day, talking about after his resurrection, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, honestly, I have to be very careful. We could spend the whole sermon tonight just here, and I don't want to do that. But I, I want us to see a few things here. Jesus said, listen, you're not to ask me anything. You're to ask the Father. Uh, I've often given this example because it's the most, I'm sorry, the most ridiculous one I know. I remember as a Bible college student, I heard a preacher, a very well-known preacher, and, and he decided to preach on prayer that night. And he said, you know, prayer is the most powerful thing, and went on and on. And he says, you know, he said, I pray to God the Father, because the Bible says, our Father which is in heaven. But then I pray to Jesus, too. And I don't want the Holy Spirit to feel left out, so I pray to Him too. And I'm sitting there going, wow, something doesn't sound quite right. How many are with me on that one? How many of you have heard this before? Uh, uh, You see, Jesus is telling us here, you do not need a go-between. You do not need someone to give you favor with the Father. You have it. 
God wants to answer prayer so that we can know that God loves me. God loves you. God loves us as individuals. How much religion is built on having a go-between? What in the world is the purpose of all those saints? You know, you would think that God is too busy to hear all your prayers, so I'm going to take a back door and get to God through... Well, if I'm traveling, uh, what is it? It's St. Christopher, if you're traveling, and... uh, if it's really important and you're not sure God's going to cooperate, talk to Mary because she's got special inroads and she'll... I mean, people say things like this. And if you're sick, it's some other saint. And if you're this, it's something... No. Do you understand? Do you really grab a hold of this thing? That when I pray, I am talking to God. Jesus said, I'm supposed to ask the Father in His name. Now, if you've been through the discipleship, we spend some time on this in the lesson in prayer. But asking in Jesus' name is not just adding in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of the prayer. Asking in Jesus' name is basically making a statement that I believe if Jesus were here and standing in my shoes, this is what he would ask the Father. Now, that puts it in a pretty serious thing. And uh, But that's what asking in Jesus' name is. How many of you have ever received a check from another person? Isn't that nice? Especially when it's not a paycheck, when it's a gift check. Those are nice, aren't they? Uh, Somebody wanted to send you something and didn't want the postal workers to steal it, so they wrote you a check or sent you a a money order. And and usually in a check, there's a signature line at the bottom. If somebody forgets the date on a check, it's not that important. Uh, if you really, uh, sometimes people, when they give offerings to the church, they won't write the uh, date in. Uh, but the, the important things are the legal line where you write out the amount of the money. If, if that's not filled out in the handwriting of the uh, original uh, check writer, it's going to get inspected at the bank and it might get kicked back. If there's no signature at the bottom of the uh, of a person who can sign on that account, you see, if you find a checkbook laying on the street, don't write a check to yourself, please. If you write a big enough check to yourself, it comes with a five to ten year vacation. Uh, out on uh, Rikers Island, not a place you want to visit permanently, amen? Uh, Because you don't have the right to put their name at the bottom of the check, only they do. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to let you write the check. And I'm going to let you sign my name at the bottom of the check. 
and God's going to honor the check. Well, what if you start asking for things that Jesus doesn't want to give you? Well, God's not going to honor the check now, is He? When we pray in Jesus' name, it says, Ask in my name that ye may receive. Now, I've heard some preachers uh, get really wild on verse 23. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my Father, ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. And I... Uh, I've heard him on the radio and telling you, you want a new car, you just tell God in Jesus' name to give you a new car. I hope you're not dumb enough to fall for that foolishness. You see, the truth of the matter is, when we ask in Jesus' name, what we're doing is we're asking for that which Jesus has given us direction to ask for. That's why God always answers what we call the sinner's prayer. If you will ask God to save you, He will do it. Because Jesus paid the price for your sins on the cross. And everything that you have done, if you will bring it to God and give Him your sin, He will take your debt and He will give you eternal life. Can we say amen to that? Well, when we pray, we need to pray for those things because God, that Jesus would have us to pray for, and it says that our joy may be full. Um, There was uh, uh, one preacher I sent a text to. He's in Illinois, I think, or Indiana. And... uh, Said and back, uh, back came the text. Woohoo! And uh, he was uh, trying to rejoice uh, with us, and had two preachers say, "Please identify yourself. Who is this sending me these texts?" And, and then when I put my name on there and, and told them it was the Union Baptist Church, uh, they immediately remembered and. And praise the Lord, Brother Pete, we're, we're with you and all of those things. Thank you for letting us know. Let me tell you something. Look what it says here. Verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. How many of you would like to learn a little more about God? Get on your knees. Get some answers to prayer. If you're getting answers to prayer, it's because you know enough about God and what's in His Word to pray for those things that God wants to give us. Can we say amen to that? And God wants us to know that He is interested in our personal prayers. And one of the ways God demonstrates His love to us is by answering our prayers. Say, I've never had prayers answered by God. Well, uh, my first suggestion would be get into the Word so that you can start learning to pray for the things that God wants you to pray for. 
And because God does want to answer our prayers. Let's go to James chapter 5. And this is another one of those passages people like to do all kinds of crazy stuff with. And we'll try to keep it as uh, just what the Bible says here. James chapter 5 verse 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins." God wants to answer prayer to show you that He loves you, but He also wants to answer our prayers to show us His power. I mean, stop and think about the power that it would take to stop the rain for three and a half years in the country of Israel or northern Israel there, uh, Three and one-half years, no rain in that country. Now, that doesn't mean that it didn't rain in Jerusalem, because it did. That it didn't rain in Egypt and Syria and all the countries around where, where it didn't rain was in the land of Israel. Now, that's some pretty powerful prayer, isn't it? Is it not? And, and yet... James tells us that Elijah or Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. You know, Elias got discouraged when Jezebel said she's going to kill him, didn't she? Didn't he? And, and he ran away and he spent the last 15 to 20 years of his ministry in, in veritable uh, seclusion. He only showed up a couple of times to stick his finger in Ahab's face and And poor Elisha had to wait all of that time before his ministry could begin because Elijah was a man of like passions. He wasn't perfect. But see, God had given him direction. He said, you pray because there's not going to be any rain, there's not going to be any dew in the land of Israel except by your word. Now, when Elijah made that statement, he was putting himself publicly subject to uh, God's commandment in the book of Deuteronomy. How many of you remember what that was? If a prophet said something in the name of the Lord and it didn't come to pass, the penalty was death. That's why old Micaiah... Uh, as they were dragging him out to feed him bread and water of affliction, he said, if Ahab returns in peace, the Lord hasn't spoken by me. And Ahab didn't return in peace, did he? 
He returned with a piece of the enemy's arrow in, his, in him, and he died that night. And according to the word of the Lord. Now, what it says here is, any among you afflicted. How many of you have had difficult times? And you've prayed. And God answered those prayers. I'll tell you what, I can't begin to even remember all the times where the frustration level just got to the point where I'm just going to stop working, I'm going to pray. I've got to figure this thing out. Hey, the Lord always gave us people to tell us what to do and help us and get us through this time. And the Lord answered prayer. How many of you have ever prayed for someone who was really, really sick? And God answers those prayers. How many of you have prayed for someone who was in sin? And God answered those prayers. I'll tell you what. I, I uh, James here is telling us that God answering those prayers for the sick and for uh, the sinful and for the afflicted is just as powerful as Elijah's prayer for no rain. God wants to show His power. And God will do great things through prayer if we will pray. You see, God has done some great things, hasn't He? We are in the building. Uh, you're not going to get any more union updates for a while, except on people. Uh, and uh, that may be a great relief not to hear about what we're fixing or what is broken this week or what new catastrophe we found. We just got the top stairs all locked up. And, and uh, by God's grace, I'm not going up there to look at anything for the foreseeable future. Uh, and we're going to work here. Passing out tracks, and we're going to work there. Passing out tracks and inviting people, and, and and all of these things. Why? Because we want to see God work. The greatest work in the church is people, and, and we need people at open door. We need people. I remember coming before you in November, telling you, the Lord, the devil, the Lord's going to protect us, but the devil is going to attack. He said, I don't know what he's going to do, but it's not going to be fun. I'll tell you what, it has not been fun. But God's been good. He's brought us through. He's shown us his power. And guess what? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He starts in verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you? If his son will ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them 
that ask him. And if you read the parable of the unjust uh, judge, it says how, how much does God want to answer our prayers even though he suffers long with us? Do you know why God makes us pray? Because we need to learn to trust him. Now, please don't raise your hands, but how many of you in your relationship with God have accused God of being less than good because of the difficulty that was in your life? That's not a good thing. But if we will handle this thing by prayer and we will understand the character of God, we can know that even though He makes us wait, even though He asks us to walk through, uh, as David put it, that valley of the shadow of death, He's there. His rod and His staff, we've got to have the Bible shape our thinking, not the other way around. So many people get an idea and they go to the Bible. Or they want God to do something for them. I've, I've heard people say, well, God, if, you, if you'll do this for me, I, I won't bother you anymore. That's not the God of the Bible. He wants to be bothered. He wants to be talked to by you. He wants you to learn to trust in Him. And even though He makes us wait, even though... He adds burdens, even though he keeps pushing the date that we hope and pray for might happen. He keeps pushing it back. We say, Lord, I'm going to keep praying. Because I know God wants to answer prayer. Amen. I know God wants to show his power. And I want to learn to trust in God. And here, we just need to touch on a sub-point here. Have you ever met someone that was so wrapped up in their ability to pray that they had to tell you about it? You ever met somebody like that? Yeah, I just prayed and God answered that prayer. (sighs) Know how to pray. You have anything you need me to pray for? That's blasphemous, my friend. God doesn't answer your prayers because of you. He answers our prayers because of Him. Amen? He answers our prayers because He is God and He is good. And anything that takes our attention away from God and from the goodness of God is sin. God wants us to have the joy of answered prayer. He wants to use that to show us His love and His personal concern in our lives. He wants us to see the power of God. I mean, one of the things that I I hope we're able to do over at Union is write a little track on the history of Union and just tell people, anybody that wants to know, hey, this church... Didn't get turned into condos. Now, the Methodist church and the Catholic church and the other kinds of churches, but, but this church didn't. 
Why? Because God likes his church. Amen? God likes the churches that stick with the Bible. And not only are we restoring the building to, to a suitable and safe environment to meet in, we're taking the church itself and putting it right back where it was and started when it started in 1847. We have the documents. We, ha- we know what they believed and what they said they believed. The, the church didn't always stick to those things, and that's why they got in trouble. And so, not only restoring the building, we're going back. Why? Because that's what the Bible says, and that's how God answers prayer. Amen? Let's take just a few minutes and go to the book of Ephesians. And I I believe we missed this point. I I certainly do. Uh, Every once in a while, i just got to stop and be reminded that prayer is the great warfare of the Christian warrior. It's not out there doing debates with the great minds of the world and taking the Bible and proving them ignoramuses. How many remember uh, that big debate, Bill Nye the science guy and who was the other guy, Ken Ham? And, and, and they were going to debate evolution versus creation. And, and uh, it was a big thing. It made national news. Well, here's what the pollsters found out. Everybody that went in believing what they believed came out still believing what they believed. Nobody changed their minds. You see... That's not the battle of the Christian. If you understand that all of this armor that is there, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. If you'll study the Christian armor and realize that every part of it is to gird my soul for prayer. It'll change your understanding of Christian, uh, of, of what the Christian is supposed to do and how we're supposed to live. You see, the devil loves to trick us. He loves to make us think that if we'll do this, we'll win the world to Christ. Could I challenge you, uh, the One of the greatest lies of the devil is that there's something out there bigger than the local church. There is nothing bigger that you can be involved in. No greater service that you can give your Savior than to be serving Him through a local church. That's why two years ago when I came before you, I said, I don't know how God's going to do this, but I believe that he wants to save this church because it's a church. It's the right kind of church. 
This isn't some kind of fake church that we're taking over and starting a new church in the building. This was a real church. This was a Bible-believing church. It was founded in 1847 on the words of this book. And I don't believe God wants union to die. How about you? But sure, it's taken a lot of prayer, hasn't it? And it's going to take a lot more. We're not done yet. In fact, we're, we're just getting started. Are you ready to keep praying? Are you ready to do the warfare, engage in the battle that needs to be engaged in for the souls of men? There is nothing more efficient than the local church. In fact, uh, Brother Hiram was talking to me. Uh, he's trying to get a hold of a... Uh, a building up there and, and uh, found out that the Methodists have it now, but it used to be a Baptist building. And, and he's trying to get that thing and he's trying to negotiate with them. And and this guy is like the district superintendent. He just literally uh, gave a building in Parsonage. How many remember Brother Dennis Ring uh, in the uh, Gloversville? Uh, he just got a whole building, holds about 150 people or something like that, and a big house, and got that from the Methodists for $50,000. And then this uh, uh, group, uh, they they gave Brother Dennis $45,000 to pay for the building. And so uh, he's he's really good shape. And Brother Hiram's talking to the same guy about a building just 30 miles down the road from where he is. Uh, you need to pray that God will change that man's heart and that he'll give him that building. Uh, you see, God wants his word to go forward. God wants the afflicted to be set free. He wants the sinners to stop sinning. He wants those that are sick uh, to be healed. Does that mean you'll never have a sickness? You'll never. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Elisha died of sickness. But he did so in God's will. But what we need to do is we need to understand it's not our prayers. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It is getting out of the way so God can answer our prayers. Amen? Now, I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, if you would. Once you go to chapter 5 and verse 8. These again, Revelation 4 and 5, are the two great worship chapters in your Bible. And verse 8 says, And when he had taken the book, the four and twenty beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. And what's that last phrase say? Which are the prayers of the saints. Now turn over to chapter 8 of the book of Revelation. 
And we're going to read verses 3 and 4. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came up with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Now, again, this could be a whole series of sermons here, but just this comes from the Old Testament tabernacle, later the temple, and now we are looking forward to the actual temple in heaven. The mercy seat is the throne of God, and before that throne is a golden altar. And they offer the incense on that altar, which is the prayers of the saints. That is the picture God wants to answer prayer because He wants us to get as close to Him as we can. You see, in the tabernacle, only the high priest could go behind the veil and only on the Day of Atonement. The regular priest... As close as he could get to God, as close as he could get to the mercy seat, was the golden altar, which was on this side of the veil. Now, how many of you remember what happened to the veil when Jesus cried, it is finished? It got ripped in two, didn't it? Meaning that we can come directly before the throne of God and offer our prayers. Several years ago, I preached a series of sermons on the art of the apothecary because that was how they were supposed to mix the incense for the prayer in the Old Testament tabernacle, later the temple. It it was not just a little bit of this, a little bit of this, stir it up, and there it was. There, There was some effort put into that. There was not only... A, a recipe that had to be followed. There was an art into compounding that and making it. How many of you have ever had biscuits by somebody who didn't know how to make biscuits? It's all the same ingredients, isn't it? Flour, water, uh, what do they put in there? Baking powder or baking soda, and depending on your recipe, a little salt and... Uh, sometimes some shortening and other things. But I'll tell you what, there are some people that know how to make biscuits. They're good. They're almost worth dying for. Talk about digging your grave with your fork. You can dig it with your fingers. Just take another biscuit. Uh, And there are some biscuits. Wow. Might make hockey pucks. Uh, you might want to play with them. Be careful how hard you throw them. You might hurt somebody. Uh, but you're not going to want to eat those things. Okay, guys, relax. Your mama knows how to make good biscuits, the best that I know of. Now, here's what I'm saying. Is we all would desire to be closer to God and have better fellowship with Him. That's why God answers prayer. So that we can be close to Him. 
so that we will approach, as the writer of Hebrews says, the throne of grace to obtain mercy to help in time of need. God wants us. He wants to answer prayers. And He does answer prayers. Amen? He wants us to pray directly to Him in Jesus' name, under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. He wants us to see His power in answered prayer. He sometimes withholds that answer because He wants us to trust in Him because He is good even when it doesn't appear so. Because He's always good. And He also doesn't want us to ever get this idea that it's our prayers that actually get something done. It's God that gets something done. You see, God doesn't need our prayers. But He lets us pray so we can have a part in what God wants to do. Amen? That's how you get saved. That's how you live for Him. Prayer is the warfare of the Christian warrior. Let's get the armor on and let's get on our knees and let's pray to God. Because we need answers from God. We need answers that only God can give us. The sword of the Spirit is not to attack the enemy. The sword of the Spirit is to straighten, is to focus my heart and my mind on what I should pray for. Amen? The helmet of salvation, we can keep going, keeps me from being distracted. If you weren't sure of your salvation, I'll tell you what, you would do well to just pray for your salvation every day. That's the only thing you ought to pray about. But I'm so glad the Bible tells me if I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if I'll call upon His name, He'll save me. So I'm not worried about... I, my, my mind is protected. I can pray for the things that need to be prayed for. Amen? God wants to show His power. He wants us to have fellowship with Him. He wants us to come close because God loves His children. Can we say amen to that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You and we thank You that You have given us this thing called prayer. And Lord, that it's not just a simple, I lay me down to sleep. There there is so much here, we couldn't possibly cover it all in one message or a hundred. But Lord, we can live it. We ask that you would help us to simply live biblical prayer. That we can enjoy that close fellowship. That we can have the joy of answered prayer. The knowledge that you love us. And the fact that we're living for you on purpose. Not just some happenstance, hope so, kind of, maybe it'll work out kind of thing. But, Lord, the, the, the war of the Christian warrior to learn to pray for that which we ought to pray for. Lord, we ask that you 
would encourage us with this great answer to so many of our prayers to reopen this building, that we'd pray more. We would seek more. We would ask for more. That you may be honored and glorified. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray for these things. Before we say amen, we'll have the pianist playing.